Welcome to the FPL USA Press Play Podcast. Brian is still traveling abroad in his never-ending quest in India. He's pulling a John Lennon on us. Dan, he's really disappeared into the culture. And with that, we thought it was time to bring on a special guest. So, Dan, first, how are you living? And second, why don't you introduce our special guest host today? I'm doing very well, thank you. It was my birthday yesterday, and I, I didn't get a happy birthday from books, so that kind of ruined my entire weekend. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know it was your birthday. Happy belated <laughs> I, birthday, I, I guess. I kept it very secret. I am an asshole, sorry. <laughs> but yes, um, especially when Brian is not here, I am usually the most intelligent person on this podcast. But today, we have a very, very special guest who, quite frankly, shocks me on a daily basis with his level of intelligence. Um, it's analytics guru, FPL USA community member, FPLoptimized.com creator, co-host of the FPL Optimized podcast, and an all-round gentleman, it's Sirtop. So how are you doing, Sirtop? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me uh, in this episode. Woo! <laughs> I occasionally get invites from podcasts, uh, to be honest, but like when I got your invite, I was really excited. And I didn't even know the Turkish connection from Buck's side, but uh, from your side, so... I, I thought it was going to be a really great opportunity to sit down and talk with you guys. And um, the fact that most of the managers I talk on a regular basis regarding FPL is playing the game analytically. So it's sometimes like an echo chamber, like we talk about the same or similar stuff all the time. So this is a really uh, fresh opportunity for me to talk with you guys. So thanks. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Um... So please tell the listeners your FPL playstyle, and let's go with your top finish. Yeah, sure. Um, so I am playing FPL using analytics, so it's no secret. I talk about it on a regular basis. Um, I especially play with uh, what we call optimization, essentially like optimization algorithms or techniques. Um, I see FPL as a mathematics problem, to be honest. So like maybe people are already rolling their eyes, but I'm coming from that background. Like I I always had the like quantitative education. So and I learned about FPL from a colleague from work actually. And I thought maybe I can give it a try using numbers and data. And it was a wild journey, I will say. My first season I was finished in 300k um and i thought i was doing really well like like considering you know how many people are playing this game like millions of people i am inside the million so i was feeling really good until i realized that in like fpl twitter it's just nothing like if you finish 300k you're a loser you need to finish in top 10k or 100k so that you know because that's the first thing people ask you like how many top 10k finishes do you have and i'm like that I was harsh, know. sir. Tell. So, no, no, no. That's what people say. I, I, I don't say that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I played for three seasons. This is my fourth season now. Uh, my best finish was my second season. I finished in uh, three thousand four hundred ish. Um. So that season was really good. Um. And yeah, people, people hated that. Actually, <laughs> people hated the fact that like me not knowing too much about football having a great finish so they they were upset i mean i i personally find it fascinating because i think you've told me before that you don't really watch the premier league you don't really watch football you purely play fpl 
from an analytics standpoint. And I just find that fascinating. And I, I certainly don't turn my nose up at it. I think it's fantastic. This episode is all about how cool it is, how this game is approached and attracted so many different viewpoints mm-hmm. to how it is best to play. And I could not be more opposite, I think, to your play style. Like, I'm super emotional. It's all eye test for me. <laughs> but I also don't rule out the fact that we're all going for the same points. So I think your strategy and the way that your model approaches mm-hmm. and attacks the FPL game, I think I agree with you, Dan. Totally fascinating. And your finish of 3000K, bravo. That kicks all of our top finishes well out of the water. I'll I'll just say that. <laughs> Thank you. It does. And we did have a question from my Cayman fan, Matt. Um, mm-hmm. He wanted to know if you ever let iTest affect your decisions in any way or are you purely analytics 100% through and through yeah i think both in a way so i <clears throat> i watch primarily now uh, now that i'm playing fpl so that's that's the main motivation for me to watch games to to be completely honest when i find time i watch uh, like turkish league i watch galatasaray's game um but yeah for premier league games essentially i watch the games that i have players from and but at the same time, I'm not really paying that much attention. I mean, I, I'm not not an expert uh, by no means. So like when I'm watching the games, I'm just watching, you know, as a fun activity. I'm not you know taking notes um, or I'm not focusing on the eye test. Like there are always you know some players that catches your eye, obviously. But I'm not trying to buy those players, even if I think that they played well. Um, because I mostly believe that the 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 edge in FPL is coming from the fact that um, you can you need to buy players based on their fixtures and you know how well they are doing in general and what's the potential and uh, prediction models are doing a pretty good job uh, like at least for me uh, from that angle that you know which players I should buy even if I think a player is particularly good I don't. Uh, let my eye test affect my decision making. Interesting. So, can you give an example where maybe you saw a player that like really jumped out at you? Like, I know you were you were one of the lead members of going without Holland, I believe, mm-hmm. yes. right? Like around game week nine. Is that yes? Mm-hmm. Yes. Correct. So, like, that's a really brave play when <laughs> for the last season plus that he's been in the league, he just scores a goal every game without failure. So can you explain the logic and the model? What was what was that telling you? What was optimal there? Well, prediction models, as you know, like essentially are based on the prediction that how many goals are going to be scored by particular players. And, you know, first of all, they model the team strength, you know, how many, like which team will win the game, like how many goals we are expecting that these players will score in general. Um and the fixture quality is everything to these. I mean, so even if like Holland got, let's say, like three hat tricks in the last three games, but if they are playing against, you know, other players with great defense in the next three games, then I can sell Holland, no problem. Like if the model thinks that he will have a difficult time scoring goals. So from that perspective, that's what I was doing in game week nine. Um, like I was also checking the prediction models. 
when the model tells me to, okay, sell Haaland, go without him, use his money for these players, and then in general, like overall, you will have more points. That's what I did. Essentially, I upgraded almost like every player in my team with that extra extra cash. Well, which worked out just fine. But I should say that um, when you're playing with a model, you are kind of optimizing the average case. So like if, if you do this 100 times, at least out of like those 151 times, I will be ahead, at least 51. But sometimes, um, you know, maybe you have a really good edge that this number is higher, but those 49 ones, there are certain scenarios where Holland really gets like multiple hat-tricks maybe, and then you are at like 5 million, 6 million overall rank. So that could also happen. So obviously you are taking, well, you are, taking that risk for the reward but the opposite could also happen it's all very calculated and non-emotional it's just i imagine you sleep when you do sleep with your young child i imagine you sleep very nicely not stressing about fpl and transfer moves and late tinkers hmm. i was gonna say something very similar it's, it's almost freeing to play in this kind of style of play because something i test managers really suffer from is fomo and I, yeah. So I wanted to ask you, is that something you ever suffer from? Because you're making very calculated decisions. You're not watching these games and getting really emotional <laughs> about them. So it's almost freeing in a way. Do you find that is the case? I, I agree. Yeah, playing with a model is probably yeah, one, of, one of the biggest advantages is that yeah, you're playing with, with that style, that you're not really uh, like worried about certain decisions. And actually, a even better angle is this. So if it doesn't turn out fine, like if, you know, <laughs> let's say Haaland scored a hat-trick and uh, you got absolutely destroyed in the rank, you can easily blame the model for it. Like, I'm not pre generating the prediction model. I'm just, you know, using other prediction models inside my optimization model. So I'm just only optimizing my decision-making. But I can always assume that, yeah, maybe the the prediction data was wrong. Maybe the assumptions were wrong. Maybe the fixture difficulty was not calculated correctly. So since I can blame, so since I can shift the blame to those sources, then, you know, as you, as you said, like I'm having a nice, you know, night's sleep. Sirtop, let's transition because I think the proof is in the pudding. Like you said, you know, you have a 3K overall finish, but you're also having a really strong, you're having a really strong season thus far. And all three of us are in the FPL USA community. We're all in the FPL USA elite tier league. And I can say that you are giving me a run for my money right now. You are <laughs> making me level up game weekend, game weekend, and really stress about my moves. So Let's just go around the horn. Can you share how your season is going? Yeah, so my season is going well. Uh, I'm at 12, 30 points. And like between me and you, we have 11 points. And between me and Dan, there are another 11 points. So it's very interesting. Um, so, well, my season is going well in general, as you mentioned, especially after game week five, things turned around. Um, I had players like uh, Salah in Game Week 9 as a captain, which was a big difference compared to the field. Um, and also Son, more, having Morris in Game Week 8 uh, for their double. Um, Mubemo made a difference. Ellison made a big difference uh, for my total points. 
and recently Palmer. So some of these players were not heavily owned in the field when I had them and I was able to catch their uh, some of their braces. So um yeah, after like until around game week 5, I was around 4.5 million and then by the end of game week 12 I was at 65k. So that period was wow. really great. Yeah, it was a huge <laughs> period for me. And did you wildcard in game week five? Is that the turning point for you? I wildcarded in game week eight, actually. So okay. I think I I started getting lucky before the wildcard, and then I kept that, kept my luck during the wildcard and then kept going a little bit more. So interesting, because Dan, me and you both wildcard in game week seven. I know that was the big window that was discussed. Was it seven, eight, or then 10? And then a lot of managers that got plan 10 kind of got screwed a little bit. Yeah. So we we all kind of were in that group that really hit that point and then kept that rise going for the long haul. Yes, I had a really good game week. I had 98 points this week. So that rocketed me from the 85K up into the 42K range. So I'm really Ooh. happy with that rank at this stage of the season. I'm usually at this stage of the season around 150K, 200K. And then I make up rank later in the season. So to be at 42k at this point, I'm very, very happy with. However, it's getting to the point in the season now where we're going to have some double game weeks, some blank game weeks. Um, a lot of injuries are happening. We have the international cups happening. So I'm a little scared about what's going to happen in the next few weeks. I am too, Dan, because I'm at the top right now. I'm on 1241 points and I'm like 11.5k overall. And Sirtop, I think I was like, 50 points ahead of you three game weeks ago. And now all of a sudden I'm like eight points and I'm, I'm definitely a transfer behind at least. So it's, it's going to get really wacky. And I think there's going to be a lot of upheaval probably yeah. for my downside. I'm going to take an L here, but <laughs> no, yeah, no, no. that's, uh, that's how it's going to be. <laughs> You're going great, but it, it makes me happy to see like, in the game weeks that I'm reducing the gap between us because like when it is when the gap is too big like it's all you're just dreading that you know, you're not never gonna catch the the mini league leader but when you get you know closer and closer and closer and I know that you're feeling the pressure and that makes me happy I'm sorry but it <laughs> makes me happy no it's okay it's okay it's not just my kids that keep me up at night it's also <laughs> sir top your I hear your footsteps let's take our first break when we come back let's dive into what sir top and your model and what we think about game week 21 and we are back and before we get into that let's go through two quick psas first of all game week 21 is now going to be on the friday because the Luton and the Burnley game has actually moved to Friday, January 12th, which also means the deadline is also pulled forward. So I feel like that might catch a couple of managers out out there. Um, maybe we shouldn't announce that on this pod. It might give us a bit of an advantage to move ahead of these guys. Nah, um, nah. We're going <laughs> to use pure skill and guile, right? That's right. And also, Game Week 21 is kind of a crazy game week because it expands across two weekends 
So I think it begins on the 12th and it doesn't end until January 22nd or something like that. It's going to be a very, very long game week, which means we're not going to have a lot of press conferences that are going to give us valuable information, at least for the second half of the game week. And big teams such as Arsenal and Liverpool, we're not really going to get a lot of team news out of those camps. So there's going to be some blind decisions having to be made this game week. Sir Talp, is that changing any of the models behavior for game week 21 with the uncertainty of minutes and rotation risk? So in the models, we used uh, kind of like an average case scenario. So even though like there could be some problems with, you know, that game we covering two, two weekends and, you know, we, obviously there is a risk for rotations and injuries um, and the lack of obvious information. So for as the analytics player, I would probably increase some parameters like information value is higher so that unless... Uh, well, maybe like I have two free transfers and if I'm going to make any transfers, I will prefer to do it as close to the deadline as possible. Um, but again, so since it's the average case, how the model works doesn't change. But uh, obviously you are at a disadvantage, but like it, it's the same for everyone. So not not a big issue, I think. Is there any weight that you are giving or I'm just interested in the dates being so far apart. Are you preferring a transfer in with one of your free transfers for a guy that goes in the first weekend versus the second because of the additional hmm. information? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think if you get any kind of maybe tips or maybe like predictions from these, you know, lineup predict predict prediction people, uh, that a player will likely start. And, you know, those are usually coming closer to the ga games, obviously, because they are kind of tracking the news. Sure, sure. E expected minutes for those players will go up, meaning that in the model, model will probably prefer those players who are more guaranteed to play compared to those other players who are risky. Um, I'm not sure if it will make a big impact that will change my transfer plans. And I'm I don't really care if my players are playing in the first week or the second week, to be honest. Interesting. I feel like this Bowen early transfer and then the potential knock has thrown a big wrench into a lot of FPL managers' plans. So I just wanted to ask you about how you approach, you know, the transfer early or I think for me as an eye test manager, I'm gonna go for guys in the early window. It sounds oh. stupid, but I, it's just the way I'm thinking about it. Did you already get Bowen then, or I, I've had him for? He's oh, been very good him. to me. He's one of my uh, guys. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, th so this this one is funny because um, I thought maybe I should sell Salah, you know, early and then get Bowen, uh, so that I don't lose any value because like Bowen was going up, Salah was going down, but I f I forgot about it and I missed the price change. And I was really upset about it. I, I'm like, oh, his Bavon's price go went up now. Like I, I'm at a disadvantage. I decided to wait a little bit more because, like, you know, there there was no point for me to transfer him immediately. And then I heard about the potential injury, and I'm like, oh, maybe it was a good, you know, maybe like in hindsight, maybe it was a good idea to keep the transfer and then maybe wait towards the deadline. But I should say this. I mean, 
there's such a long time until deadline and people are already making their moves and then forcing my hand. I'm really unhappy about it. And I'm sure like it's same for you guys too, but like Definitely. calm down people. Like we have time, like we can make our decisions towards the deadline. Like we don't need to rush for anything. We're not getting extra points for making transfers early. Um, I usually- <laughs> I agree, make, please make my Preach. decisions. Yes. <laughs> I usually make my decisions closer to deadline, usually. Um, and only if, um, like missing a price change will have a huge impact on my team in, you know, upcoming weeks, then I, uh, then I move early, but it doesn't happen often. All right. So let's get into some best matches to target for FPL holes. And this is more of an eye test section set out, but feel free to jump in with any of your thoughts. Um, so first of all, we like to call out. West Ham at Sheffield United. So, sort up. Here's where you can jump in. So, for eye test managers, obviously we're just constantly attacking Sheffield United because they just can't defend whatsoever. They suck. They suck. Quite <laughs> frankly, does the model tell you the same thing? Does it really put heavy weight on attacking that fixture? Yeah. So I was playing a last man standing uh, game uh, with people in the analytics Discord. And that's what the model was doing. Model was all, you know, usually attacking, you know, these two teams uh, on a regular basis. So like Sheffield is a, a good one to target like all the time. And yeah, I I agree here. I didn't check the model, by the way. Like I, I, I didn't check, you know, what's the projected number of goals for that game. But to me, it sounds great. I will say, though, it's Sheffield United are at home. West Ham could potentially be without Bowen. They could potentially mm. be without Pekata. They are definitely without Kudus. So I'm not sure it's going to be as good for managers as we think it is. I mean, who knows? But I think Sheffield United are really setting up well at home with Chris Wilder since he joined. Um, so yeah, I don't know, Bucks, what do you think? I don't think this is like a 3-0, 4-0 to West Ham. No, but I think if you're an Areola owner or a Bowen owner, it's lucky it's in the second window because Bowen will have another two weeks, I think, since we record yeah. this podcast before he plays this match to recover. I'm not too fussed as a Bowen owner, and I think he could be a good differential captain. I think it's 3-1 to the Hammers, but I think it's a tight game, actually. Yeah, I'd agree. I'm, I'm probably going with a 1-0 to West Ham, something like that. And then the next game we have is Liverpool, who are playing at Bournemouth. Now, this one is one I'm looking at for captaincy, to be honest. I have a... I'm very tempted to go with Trent Alexander-Arnold captain. I must admit this week, a little insight into my team later on. Even without Salah, I think that Liverpool attack is just so lethal. So what do you think about this one, Bucks? I love it. I mean, you're dropping a, a big shout in the middle of the podcast, I know, right? I know. And potatoes. So I, I really like that call. I think Bournemouth have been plucky though. I mean, their, their attack is nothing to be trifled with. So I wonder if, I wonder if that's the optimal play. I'm going to, I'm going to lay out for you, Sir Top. Why don't you jump in here? So when you said Liverpool, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's a good idea because Darwin is uh, pr predicted to get the highest, you know, XG for that game week or, He's the second uh, after Tony. Um, and I was kind of thinking maybe you have Darwin and, and that's why, why you are saying it. But 
Alexander Arnold, I'm not sure, but like Solanke's goal uh, prediction for that game is also very, very significant. Um, I'm not sure if they will keep a clean sheet, but obviously, well, if you're captaining Alexander Arnold, you are not only thinking about the clean sheet, you're also taking the uh, like attacking returns into consideration. Yes, that's an interesting. Uh, I, I like that actually. I mean, we'll get into captaincy later on. There, there are so many options; it's kind of wide open this week. So yes. I figured this might be a good game week to have a little bit of fun with the captaincy. And I yeah. think Solanke is actually a good option because I think at home, Bournemouth are a very good attack. Solanke's xG is off the charts, so I think they will possibly score. But again, Alexander Arnold is practically a midfielder. <laughs> True. Yeah, and when he gets returns, he normally gets bonus too. So exactly. that's I like the shout. We should transition. Let's just quickly talk about the top games in real life, the best kind of pure watches for us nerds. Uh, that would be Manchester City going to Newcastle. And I think there's just a huge discussion point here, and the Holland conversation needs to be addressed. Do we want to talk on it now, Dan, or wait till a little later? We can talk on it now. I, a key point here is usually we we would possibly get some early team news from Manchester City from FPL Tony on Twitter. But now that they've moved that first game, the Luton and Burnley game, to the Friday, it's a lot less likely we're going to get any kind of leaks from Man City. I know Pep has a, pref conf a press conference on Friday, but I highly doubt he will be revealing if Haaland is fit to play or not. So unless we get very concrete news that Haaland is completely fit and ready to start. I don't think it's a good week to bring him in. I'm quite comfortable going without him. Bold. All right. I like it. I'm I'm on the same vein. I'm I'm a little freaked out by that. And I see Sir Top is smiling. Is that because he's he's on a different wavelength? What's what's your point of view here? No, no, no. I I, I agree with Dan here. Uh, I don't have Haaland, and uh, well, we will probably talk about the the plans, but. Yeah, I might delay get, getting him back maybe the next week instead of this one. Well, the uncertainty is maybe too high for, for my preference, I will say. And it does make a difference if you have one free transfer versus two free transfers. Yeah. For me, it would require a hit. And I'm certainly not going to take a hit to bring in mm -hmm. Haaland when I'm not even sure he's going to play. Next up is Spurs at Manchester United. Manchester United win in the FA Cup. They have a new owner now. Doesn't matter. Does Ange care? Will Tottenham care? How will they perform without Sun? What are we What are we seeing from this one? I'm seeing an improvement in Manchester United. I don't know about you, books, but I've I've watched them the past few games, and they're they're getting a little better. Um, even players like Rashford have started to perform a little bit. I, I've got a little sneaky feeling in the next few weeks Rashford might become a, an option again, and I also like the look of someone like Garnacho as an enabler under five million. So I, I think this is going to be a good game. I expect both teams to score because, as we know, Tottenham just goals, goals, cannot goals, defend. Goals. goals, goals, goals. So I think if you have an attacking asset in both of these teams, you 100% start them and you can expect a return from them probably. I think 3-2, though. It's <laughs> probably a toss-up who wins it. I think Spurs have just enough. And I think Pedro Porro might get another return here. Let's see. Of course, he scores in the FA Cup. Did you see that? He scored such bullshit. <laughs> He's such bullshit. <laughs> that would have been a 15-pointer in FPL. And then the Lastly, final... Dan, your, your boys, come on. Let's give you the glop. Uh, how excited are you about the final match of the game week? Monday, Wolves at Brighton. Blockbuster. 
Yeah, I'm just happy that you're now starting to put this as one of the top in real life games rather than one of the bad ones. And um, this is going to be a good game. I expect goals from both teams. Um, if you have a Stupinian, I think it's a good matchup for him um, against that Wolves defense right now, who are without Ryan Eitnery, who's going to be a miss. And yes, Wolves are missing Huang, but we have Pedro Neto back fit, and he's definitely a player I'm really looking to possibly bring in in the next few weeks. So I expect a close game. I'm going to go with a score draw for this one. Wow. I definitely did not predict you saying that. I think it's going to be 2-1 to Brighton, but only because oh. I just gave you some nice words, so I have to counteract it. <laughs> All right, let's let's transition. Let's get into some community questions. I think it's about time in the podcast to involve some smarter blokes than myself and some better looking ones than Dan. So, Sirtal, what's the deal? What's the plan here? We got Salo, we got Sun, we got all these guys going off to international cups. Is Holland in? Is Holland coming in eventually? What's the plan? Yeah, it's a little bit difficult. I mean, I already uh, sold Son for Richardson and probably will sell Salah uh, for probably for Fernandez. Um, well, there are a few options, obviously, for uh, regarding the, you know, uh, replacing these two players. Um, Bowen was certainly a target, although. Like his now injury put like probabilities uh making Fernandez a little bit ahead uh, in my calculation. Um, I don't know. I have to ju- I have to jump in here. I'm sorry. So are you yeah. saying that the model is very fond of Fernandez right now? Yes. <laughs> okay, yes. that's that's a new one. So whoa, Bruno enters the chat. Yes, <laughs> very interested about that. I can check quickly, but yeah, um, I I see Fernandez. Because I mean, his his prediction this week is not too bad, and against Tottenham, and then he plays against Wolves. Uh, that's also a good game for Manchester United. I'm sorry, then. Um, so, and if everything goes bad, ah. <laughs> he's not a bad player to hold for long term. If I need to make other transfers. Um, yeah, some of the alternatives were like good for a few few games, but then I need to sell them for someone else, which I don't really want to. Um, so I wanted to have a player that I can keep in the worst worst uh, possible scenario. So that was actually a question we had from Nihal, who you I know you are very familiar with in the mm-hmm. FBI USA community. I know that the model considers a whole bunch of different variables, so it's not easy to just to give a black and white answer. But if you really had to pick the best Salah and Sun replacements, are you saying Bruno is your top pick? Bruno, and I already have Richarlison. Richarlison is also another uh, good one to get. Uh, yeah, those two, well, at least that, those two are the ones that I am, uh, looks like that I will have. And yeah. Mm. Two players that I have not really considered bringing into my team, so now I'm a little, I'm a little nervous now. So interesting, and and the Werner news I think is the bit is the big first transfer into the Premier League, or one that will might have. Let's say the one that might have FPL relevance because anyone could score. It seems like in that Ange Postecoglou attack, and mm-hmm. Werner's speed is impressive. I wonder if he gets some starts 
ahead of Brennan Johnson and what that move is. I wonder who who he's going to take minutes from. Yeah, it's a good point. We we don't know at this point, um, but it could, of course, impact Richarlison's minutes. It could possibly move him out wide. We, we don't know at this point, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I wouldn't let it put you off bringing in Richarlison. If you're looking to bring him in, I still think he's a great asset. I've just said on multiple podcasts at this point that I just don't like his face, quite frankly. So <laughs> I don't want him in my team. How many weights does that factor into the model, Sir Tal? <laughs> Expected yeah. face. Expected face. Oh, <laughs> well, certainly the the question, the big question around his minutes uh, is annoying because I already got him. So his projections will go down because of this news. Obviously, we don't know how fast or you know, how big the impact will be. Um, but yeah, uh, so, it, it, well, it, when I when I was running the model, he was optimal for me to buy. That's why I bought him. But if I knew that Werner was coming, maybe that could have changed the optimal to someone else. Um, so I'm a little bit upset as <laughs> I saw the news and I'm like, oh no, I don't want to deal with this. And <clears throat> to be honest, I like I'm like you, Dan. I didn't want to have Richardson in my team. I had him uh, earlier in the season and it didn't go that well for me. Um, and so, you know, when it happens, you are usually holding against, that against the player, right? So I don't, you don't want to get bitten by the, uh, you know, same snake twice. So you don't. You kind of like want to avoid the player. That's that was my feeling, and I saw the Richardson from the Solver. I'm like, no, I don't want him. <laughs> but I transferred him, and then I saw the Werner news, and then now I'm really upset. But nothing, nothing I can do about it now. All right, next question. So something stands out about your team setup, at least um, historically, is the budget that you allocate to goalkeepers. I know you've had Allison in the past. I know, I, I believe you now have Edison. So talk us through your thinking there because the majority of managers tend to go with the rotating 4.5, 4.0 options. I think rotating goalkeepers in general is a good idea. Uh, you are trying to get the best of the fixtures, obviously, by rotating them. And usually that works fine. Model likes it. Uh, the reason for uh, premium goalkeepers like Ederson or Ellison is the higher chance of keeping a clean sheet. Um, that means that you're probably expecting less number of shots uh, heading their, towards their goal, which means <laughs> on the opposite that they are less likely to get uh, bonus points or you know save points. That's the you know biggest counter argument here. Um, so usually some of these prediction models, they are kind of also taking that into consideration. They are thinking, okay, this team won't get too many shots in their goal, but they have a higher chance of keeping a clean sheet. And so when you look at that from the when you look at it from that perspective, it makes sense actually having a premium goalkeeper. You are kind of investing in the probability of getting six points. You're not obviously getting nine or eleven points like from you know other players like Ariola. Yeah, it's so um, interesting. It's yeah. it feels safe to like just be targeting six or two, but the yeah. solver and a lot of top analytics players always go for it. And and yet that was the first thing when Brian brought me into the FPL universe. It was like the first thing he taught me was 
just skip the goalkeepers, just like go cheap as chips. <laughs> yeah, I think some of these uh, conceptions are coming from the fact that when you check at the end of the season, there's always a cheap goalkeeper who, you know, had almost the same or maybe more points than premium goalkeepers. So people's perception is, oh, like you just need to find the, the perfect 4.5 million goalkeeper and you will get lots of points. It was like Martinez one or two seasons ago. Um, so I think in general, that's a, like, that's a good approach. Like you can even uh, ask Solver to give you some of those options. Like you can say that I don't want a premium goalkeeper. Just give me the best pair of goalkeepers that I can rotate through fixtures and maximize my potential points. You can also do that. But by downgrading your premium goalkeeper to a 4.5 one the question is what are you going to do with that extra budget i mean obviously in some seasons that that money is much more valuable but this season it feels like even if you have extra budget like there is not too many places that you can invest that extra budget which is the the main problem here so that then solver sees it and solver says that yeah you need a premium goalkeeper i can't use this extra money um so yeah pricing kind of forced my hand there i think i just want to touch on a point you just made because i think there's a misconception in the community that analytics players in particular they just blindly follow models and they don't make their own decisions and i know there's a lot of contention on that subject however there is a lot of input that you can put into these solvers to say like like you just said i would like a 4.5 goalkeeper you don't have to just blindly follow the models you can put in your own inputs you can make your own decisions still and I, I i think that's an important point to make yeah i yeah thanks for actually bringing this up and when i am an optimization specialist at work and i develop optimization tools for the customers um the way we call these things are uh, it is they are decision support tools they're not there to make decisions for you that's not the intended purpose it is to support your own decisions, like whatever you are trying to achieve. And most of these models that we give to our customers, or maybe in also in FPL, have lots of knobs that you can adjust. Like, I want to have more budget. Maybe I want to play risky and get more reward if it plays out. You can even, like, in average case, you don't care about ownership percentages if you are just trying to maximize expected points. But if you are trying to maximize the probability of winning FPL, uh, you can even do that. And that requires you to take more risks than you can imagine. Like you need to choose captain like different than most people do so that you can gain an edge against them. So yeah, thanks for bringing it up. So there are lots of parameters you need to tune in an optimization solver. And even for like projections, you don't need to use projections from you know some of these websites. You can generate your own projections, very similar to how you described it. Like, okay, there's this game. You know, what's the what's the score? Am I expecting from this game? You are saying that okay, it will be a one-one tie in my opinion. So you can actually find a way to translate that into some kind of a projection that is coming from your own like eye test or maybe football knowledge. And then you can optimize over it because the part we are optimizing is not that, okay, a robot is making the prediction and then we are playing like robot. It's more like, okay, these are the, all the predictions coming from either, you know, maybe betting odds or maybe from a fancy mathematical like prediction model. But then 
I am still the decision maker here. What should be the strategy for me to maximize these points? And that's where you use optimization solver again with lots of parameters. And then, well, premium goalkeeper is a really good example of it. Like you can still ask solver, what's the optimal plan without a premium goalkeeper? And you can still get an answer from the solver, which is really nice. The solver and the analytics community really is just like planning transfers on steroids. You know, there's strategy behind the entire game. So I think that saying it's cheating or it's an unfair advantage, I think it's mischaracterizing what it's all about because this is a monopoly. It's about scoring the most points, right? So at the end of the day, we just have to get the champion of FPL scores more points than everyone else. And it doesn't matter how they got there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The transfers, like planning transfers is the big thing in the, you know, solvers and analytics community. That's actually, yeah, you you said it well. That's the part we are actually getting help from uh, like a model where it is easier for us to distinguish um, good fixtures from bad fixtures in the long term. Like I can have this player. Yes, he might. Well, for example, I'm considering Bruno Fernandez, which has Tottenham game in front of him. Not the best fixtures if you think about it, but then model is also taking into consideration more stuff than I can do like it's seeing that okay it also has a Wolves game and then you can potentially sell him for another player and then use that extra budget for this other decision yeah like I don't personally I don't have that much time yes I'm not paying Sir Top to keep digging the Wolves game that's coming up because uh there's still the pups of Wolverhampton Dan I knew we'd come around to this side in the <laughs> oh, second half go. of the podcast <laughs> I can't sort of that that being said I'm interested to know about transfer moves in general. It, the knob that you have in your model, Sirtop, how sensitive are you to rolling that transfer versus kind of always making the transfer in front of you? Well, I personally enjoy having two free transfers. It's always a good feeling that when you have two free transfers and then you are talking with someone else and they're like, yeah, okay, you have two free transfers so you can do anything, but in my position, you know, I need to take a hit. There is actually a mathematical value of having that second free transfer on hand, and it is 1.5 points um, in FPL terms. So it is an advantage, obviously, having that, especially for unexpected events like injuries. Um, but at the same time, that free transfer is there just to cover worst-case scenarios. And you know that, like, you know, the, the, the person who will win FBL at the end of the season will be the person who got some got into some of these risky situations and then, you know, got lucky and then uh, maybe didn't even roll the second free transfer like we do. Um, mathematically, it makes sense. I like rolling my free transfer, but yeah, um, it doesn't always mean that you will, you're, you will have um, the best players uh, on the pitch every week. Sometimes, like, I'm really tempted to use my second free transfer uh, just for that, you know, fancy, shiny player, but the model doesn't like it, and I'm like, yeah, okay, <laughs> I will roll it. Relating to that, how about hits? Because I've gotten a reputation for going bucks wild at times with some minus eight <laughs> hits. And Dan, you, you've even taken the odd hit this season. How, how, how much of a value negative is that in the model? Yeah, hits are a little bit interesting. I think if I'm taking a hit, uh, it means that something went wrong somewhere. 
with my decision making process. But there are also cases where you got like really unlucky, like two injuries at the same time is obviously going to force your hand to take a hit. Um, so models usually prefer having carrying a strong bench so that sometimes I am able to cover those uh, game weeks with my bench player. Um, so yeah, hits is something that models usually don't do. Like you don't, you don't really see um, a model suggesting you taking a hit unless there's a double game week, because you know an average expected point for you know any of these good players is somewhere between uh, like six to nine points, somewhere in that region, and just by taking a hit, you're like using almost half of it maybe more than half. So it doesn't really make too much sense for models to take a hit uh, just to get a good fixture, uh, and which is what the solvers are really going for. Um, I've seen them suggest hits in the case where you're bringing in a player for that game week who you're likely to captain, and then also has good fixtures going forward. I have seen cases where it's recommended yes. it then. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, captaincy is a big thing because again, yeah, if you are if the player is projected to get nine points and then you are multiplying it two, then a hit makes really really sense uh, for the team. And or again, if if there's a blank or a double suddenly announced or your players get injured, I mean, hits can be like models suggest hits time to time. It's just not that super common. So on the on the topic of captaincy, actually, we have um, Paz, someone else you are very familiar with. He mm -hmm. would like to know if you and the models have a clear top captaincy pick for game week 21. Projections are really close on this. I was checking both FBR Review and Mikhail Tokwam's models on this uh, to get a sense. And for uh, Tokwam's model, it was Saka, Palmer, and Rashford, top three options. And for review, it was Saka, Palmer, uh, Tony, and Richarlison, if I remember correctly. Um, so Saka is leading in both models, but his lead is very small and might change towards the deadline. Um, and that's what I'm close to, too, at the same time. But again, this, this week is a little bit interesting. All of those like captaincy options are very close. I there is not a clear top captaincy pick, uh, because of it. Um, but yeah, Psycho is ahead at least for now. Love hearing all those players' names and knowing I have none of them in my team right now. That's a disaster. <laughs> you don't have power. Come on. No, I'm I'm a Sterling moron uh, over oh. here. That's that's a leading part of my demise right now in the FPL ranks. With that, I mean. I would like to hear you shared your captaincy is maybe going to be Saka and Dan, you were saying Trent Alexander Arnold getting wild early in the podcast. Is there a certain team that right now the model is, is really the fixtures are lining up for us to really jump on right now? Is there, is there one or two teams that are, that are hard to ignore? I was checking the optimal wildcard team to, I saw your question on this, and then I was wondering if there's such a team. Uh, Arsenal is that team. I mean, in the sense that Model almost always brings three Arsenal players into the wildcard team. But besides Arsenal, there is no team that has like three players in it. So Model is usually going for 
the players who are likely to get maybe bonus points or maybe on penalties. So it's trying to optimize at a player level rather than a team level. But I also saw uh, Brighton uh, quite often, and um, it might be an interesting idea to, uh, well, they have some, some good players that uh, you might consider. But yeah, not... Hey, but... Yeah. I'm sorry, but you should tell the listeners how many Brighton and Arsenal assets you have in your squad. <laughs> also a fat donut, zero and zero. So I'm, I'm <laughs> it, loving it this whole section like right here. here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it sounds like I came here to just, you know, talk shit about your team. I'm sorry, but <laughs> no, not <laughs> that at was all. not it's, my it's, intention. It does sound like I'm getting my right uh, uh, final walk here. I'm uh, getting ready to take the Green Mile stroll to the... Uh, <laughs> to fall from grace in the FPL USA elite rankings. I mean, that's what this podcast is all about. Just giving books shit. That's what it's all about. Let's transition to our final question. And that's from our long forgotten co-host. Long, but not forgotten. Excuse me. Maybe a little of both. Brian wants to know his ongoing feud with Deserby, who the model prefers of the Brighton players, who would be the priority transfer in? Would it be Hervis, Pascal Gross, or Jao Pedro? Well, well, Sir Tap is checking. I know last week, Bucks, I called out Pascal Gross, and I still really like him as an option in the midfield spot. I don't know. Purvis keeps banging in returns. He got another goal, or excuse me, another return today in the FA Cup. So that's three returns in three for the guy's last name that I can't pronounce. So yeah, put it this he way, might though. be a great right. option. So if you're wildcarding, I think having Purvis or Stupinian in your team makes perfect sense. He would be in my team for sure. But people without a wildcard, we have a lot of problems in midfield that we have to tackle, as well as the Haaland situation. So I feel like for the next few game weeks, we're going to be really focused on making transfers in the midfield and forward spot. It's going to be kind of difficult to make a transfer in defense. Um, it might require a hit. It might require you having to leave someone like Salah or Son on the bench and playing someone like Archer for one game week. Who knows? But at least for my team, it's very difficult to make a defensive transfer right now. Yeah. And from the model regarding Brighton players, uh, I see Joe Pedro, who has the highest uh, projected points. But at the same time, um, so the the expected points between these players are not that huge. Uh, the difference uh, in the second place, we have Gross and then Estupinan. But then is right that when I, when I optimize, I don't see Joe Pedro and Gross so often, but I, I almost always see Estupinan. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Joe Pedro's EV is really good um, uh, if you consider him, uh, especially for the short term, it's really good. But uh, Estupinan is probably a better, like, the way this question is asked about the priority pickup, I think Estupinan uh, is a longer-term hold, too. I would have to... I'm going to have to reach out to you, Sertap, get in your DMs to help <laughs> you figure out how to get Estupinan in my team because I'm assuming it's going to make me bench or take a hit because I have so many problems in midfield. That's for the personal DMs. Uh, pros pro he's keeping it to the dms uh <laughs> subscribe to dan's only fans that's a totally different podcast to this uh but with that let's take our final break when we come back we'll dive into the actual plan where we'll discuss our transfer plans and captaincy 
Schauts! And we are back. So let's start with you, Bucks. I think you have one free transfer. You have 0.3 million in the bank. You have no Salah. Sorry, you have no Haaland. You have Salah and Son and Sterling in your team. So talk us through what your thoughts are. Yeah, I'm I'm screwed this game week a little bit. I think I'm taking a hit. I think I'm going to keep Salah for one more game week because I want to use him to fuel moving on from Archer. So I'm going to wait on Salah. And so I think I'm going to go Sun to Richarlison and Sterling to Palmer. And they're both really sideways moves, and I don't love them, but I almost feel like I have to get on the Palmer bandwagon. And I would, I think I'm going to captain Palmer. That's the plan right now. So you're bringing in two players who Sertap already has for a hit, and Sertap is now going to only be seven points behind you, just to warn you, Bucks. Yeah, listen. He's coming. I, He's coming. I know, but I'm hoping that I have Trent and Trippier and a couple premium defenders he has the premium goalkeeper. I'm hoping my defense is going to come good uh, once again. It was it was hauling early in the season, and that was really distinguishing me. But uh, Trippier's drop in form has really caught up to my team. Yeah. He played well in the cup, though. Um, I know it's against Sunderland, not quite the same level yeah, as Manchester not, not City. Quite the same. Yeah, they've, they've had a bit of a break now, though, haven't they? They're getting some injuries back. I'm hoping they get some form back at some point, because I think Trippier... There's still an elite asset in there somewhere, and I think he'll come good at some point. It's not very optimal having to play him against Man City, but it looks like no, not, not the dream, not the dream. Yeah. So for my team, I have 1.4 million in the bank. I only have one free transfer, and I'm likely to use it to take out Sun and bring in a midfielder. And I just have to choose which midfielder that is. Um, any solver, any person I ask. They're all going to tell me to make it Saka because I don't own Saka. And even though it's boring, I think that's probably the wise thing to do because especially in the previous game weeks when everyone has had Salah and Son, me having Foden and Bowen have been my differentials. That's been how I've been gaining rank. But now that everyone's losing Son and Salah, people are starting to bring in the likes of Bowen and Foden. So I no longer have a differential to keep me ahead of the pack which means that Saka, especially in a week where he's going to be heavily captained, is going to really destroy my rank if he does anything. So I think bringing in Saka might be the thing I do. But I am tempted by players like Pascal Gross to stay a little bit different. I just don't know if I'm ballsy enough. If yes. you brought in Saka, would you captain him, Dan? Uh, I don't know. I, I always sit on the fence of captaincy, and I changed my mind last second. Um I'm not feeling Palmer for some reason. I think it's because he's like the second game of the game week in a game week that's going to last almost two weeks. I don't think I want my captain to play in one of the first games. And if he blanks, I have to wait the entire two weeks on a red arrow. You know what I mean? I'm kind of looking forward to my captain playing in the last one or two games, which is why I'm leaning towards someone like Alexander Arnold for a bit of fun, because they play the second to last game on a Sunday morning. I just think it might be a bit of fun for me, but who knows? You're trying to spike that late captaincy hall. We could all respect that. It just hits yeah. different. There's there's nothing worse than captaining a player in one of the first game weeks and then they do 
in one of the first games of the game week, sorry, and they do nothing. And then you're sat on that four points from your captain for the entire game week, especially when it's two weeks long. There's some psychology in it there for me. Yeah, it's so interesting, though, like your point about like having the captain who will play at the end of the two-week period. I definitely understand that. I'm just think, trying to think if that will change my decision. Like, I, I know I know, and I hate that, but on the other uh, way around, like, you might, you know, captain Alexander-Arnold, but then Palmer goes, you know, ham, gets lots of points, and That's then cool. now you're waiting for your captain to play. Uh but yeah, I think you know being hopeful to the last minute. I think that's a good thing either way. Um, but for my team, I have two free transfers and three million in the bank. I don't have Holland. Uh, I also have Salah that I need to sell. Uh, I need to bring Holland back either this week or the next week. Probably next week we will see. Um, and I need to sell Salah to make that happen. And so the first step will be probably like selling Salah to. And by Bruno Fernandez, as I mentioned, um, but for captaincy, <laughs> for captaincy, I'm not sure. Well, Saka is ahead, as I mentioned, but I think if we assume equal play time, Palmer is projected to get more points. Um, so yeah, one of those two probably. <laughs> There's no one really exciting this week. No one is like, oh yeah, he's the he's the guy to go with. There's, no one is exciting me this week. I feel like Bowen, if if we knew that Paqueta was fit, he would probably be the captain, I think. Well, the thing about Bowen is I think he's either going to play 90 minutes or he's going to play zero minutes. So if you're feeling Bowen, Bucks, just go for it and make sure you put your vice captain on someone you're certain is going to play. That's well, also I just think, I think he's not been so explosive recently, and so I really think he needs he needs someone like Kudus, like... Ward Prowse like Paqueta to really be feeding him over and over again, like we saw him get in the last couple of runouts. It's gonna come good. I know he has a haul in him and I think he'll be fit, but I don't I don't think I'm gonna captain him. He doesn't have the allure of the golden boy of Chelsea now. And just just one final question for your team, Sertap. I assume next week if you do bring Haaland in, it will be Julian Alvarez who makes way. Yes, correct. That makes sense. Okay, we have a wrap, Bucks. Hey, that was a great podcast. Let's give a platform to you, Sir Top. Why don't you shout out the many places the FPL community can find you other than the FPL USA hashtag? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I have my Twitter, Sir Top Bilal, that I regularly tweet about, you know, what's the optimal team or, you know, what are the uh, analytical strategies to play the game. Uh, I also have a website called fploptimize.com. Uh, where I try to share some analytical data you can find around from, you know, using the FPL uh, own resources. And it it includes some something we called a live uh, game week graph that kind of shows how many points you are expected to gain or lose against the field. So which gives you a better understanding of how your rank will move through the week, especially now that this game week is really long. If you get a green arrow or a red arrow at the beginning of the week, you might get a little bit confused. So it is a good website to check if you will keep that rank or if it will improve or maybe, you know, go even worse. 
Ceratop, I checked that in the middle of this past game week. It was it was so bleak. Ah, my my score. Uh, I was like in the six million rank in the middle of the game week. It was mm-hmm. the website was not kind to me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it happens too. Yeah, sometimes it just you know amplifies whatever feeling you're having, either good or bad. Um, we also I don't want to quick. Yes, sorry. I do want to just quickly call out that FPL Optimize. It's an amazing website, especially for people like me who are very interested in analytics, but don't honestly. We I just don't understand it that well. So I think reading through that website, it really teaches you a lot. And then having people like yourself who are so willing to teach others um, about analytics without just turning your nose up, you know, I, I think it's very unique in the community. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for the kind comment. Yeah. I am trying to simplify the website uh, because I also got some of these uh, kind of uh, comments on the website. I try to offer, you know, anything that comes to my mind on the website, but then um, it is sometimes hard to translate into actual words. Numbers are just fancy, but then it gets confusing after a bit. So that's why, partially why we started our podcast called FPL Optimized. Uh, we are trying to answer the questions from the community regarding analytical play, what, what you know, what we are trying to achieve with the analytical play, you know, how we are trying to teach people how to play analytically this game. And <clears throat> the way I see FPL is um, it's a great opportunity to learn more about analytics. Like there are people who are learning programming just so that they can play FPL better, or they are learning about, you know, optimization or prediction models or machine learning. So in my opinion, it's just great. It's a great opportunity. Uh, and then you are not, you know, you might or might not get a good FPL rank, but whatever you learn uh, along the way, whether it's like a programming language or a new way of looking at things through from, from an analytical perspective, it stays with you, which is a great win in my book. Um, that's why, yeah, we have the podcast. You can find me there. And we also finally have a Discord community, Discord analytics uh, community. We don't only talk about FPL, but we also talk about other games like Sky, Fantasy, and like Fan Team and others, uh, because some of, some of these games are obviously very similar to FPL in nature. So you can kind of use similar techniques for other games too. And we are a very friendly community. We are uh, helping each other to play the game better and also at the same time learn more about analytics. But yeah, these are the places you can find me. Lovely. Yeah, Sirtop, you're a legend in the community. You're also a dad, so I don't know how you have time to do all these things. It's very impressive. We are the FPL USA Press Play Podcast. You can find us on social. Dan can be found FPL underscore Blackwolf. I'm at FPL USA Bucks. That's a podcast. Let's get back to FPL. I'm ready. <laughs>